Hello, and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Kelly, and I want to thank you for joining us. If this is your first time with us, whether in person or online, please let us know by sending a message or by filling out the Connect card on the seat back in front of you. Now sit tight, service is about to begin. Amen, amen. So as some of you guys might have noticed, Pastor John is, is not here this weekend. Uh, he is uh, taking some time to relax and uh, just recharge with his family. I've seen some pictures already in Colorado. They're hiking and, and just having an awesome time. So keep them in your prayers. But we do have a treat for you guys. We have a uh, special guest speaker again. And uh, some of you may know him already because he was part of our Converge conference, did an awesome job there. Uh, he is a father, a husband, and uh, recently he just completed an Olympic triathlon. So it's like, man. You guys are in for a treat today, so without further ado, put your hands together and welcome up here, Josh Dotzler. Thanks, my brother. The Olympic triathlon, it sounds so much cooler than it actually was. It has nothing to do with the actual Olympics going on. But man, it's so good to be here. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Man, there is no place that's better to be on a Sunday morning than with the people of God. We say all the time, there's one church, many different expressions. We're thankful for this expression. We're thankful for opportunities like CityServe where we get to join the Big C Church right here in Omaha, Nebraska. How many know God is moving in our city? Can I tell you, he's moving and we are a part of it. I just want to say it is an honor to be here. I love uh, your founding pastors, Pastor Doby, and and just his entire uh, family, wife Jamie, and I've had the opportunity to watch his ministry over the years at uh, GT. And uh, just, he's been an inspiration to me in many different ways. Pastor John, his wife Angel, so thankful that they're away right now and resting and having some good family time. Are you guys thankful for your pastors? Come on. I think it was at the Converge conference I was here and uh, Pastor John came up after the worship and he preached my whole message. Before I even got up to preach, I said, this brother's good. All just from his heart and just sharing what God was doing. Love him. Also love just the connection with their family. My wife and I, uh, we were married uh, when we were in college, and we moved into the married dorms on Creighton's campus. How many, knew, how many people know that there's married dorms on campuses? Thankful for that, married dorms. And uh, so we moved on to the married dorms, and uh, Jacob... Uh, their son and his wife, Lauren, uh, they were married and just had their first son, Layton. And uh, so we met them in the married dorms, hung out with them. You know, us married couples, we got we to gotta stick together. And uh, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that amen. And so we started to build a relationship. So uh, super grateful uh, just for this church, for the relationships. I've got a picture of my family uh, this is my family, my wife, Jennifer, who is here at this service. We celebrate 14 years of marriage on Tuesday. And uh, come on. She still winks at me. She still loves me. And I just got to say, my wife is amazing. And uh, we've been married, obviously, 14 years. We have four uh, children that she has given birth to all of them and cares for them, loves them. I just have to say this. She's a mom of four. She does a little bit of everything. This year, she wanted to read through the Bible. 
My wife read through the Bible in 30 days this year. I mean, she is the spiritual standard in our household and uh, leads our four children. We got uh, Joshua, our oldest, who is right here, 11 years old. Come on. You'll recognize him. He's got his cowboy hat on, swagged out, 11 years old, and is growing, is amazing. Our son Joseph is nine. Juliana is eight, and Jada, our baby, is four years old. And we have a dog named Jet. And uh, so we got the whole Jay thing going on in the family. Uh, also joined here this morning, I got some of my, uh, our team, and uh, I'm one of 14 children. Anybody got more than 14 13 siblings. I'm one of 14. I'm number five. We have my sister, Maya, who's number seven. I'll be forgetting. Kriana, who's number nine. My parents know us by our numbers more than our names. It's like, hey, number five, get over here. All right, oh, my bad. Uh, Alonzo, who works with our team. Fabian, who's straight from Mexico, interning with us this summer. Everybody say, hola. Sabes espanol? Si, muy, muy poquito. Dios le bendiga. That's all I know. It's all my Spanish. Well, hey, I'm excited to uh, just share a message this morning. And um, I love the theme of, of and, and just watching the Olympics. How many people are enjoying the Olympics? And uh, I was up late yesterday watching the Olympics, watching the swimmers and uh, seeing uh, Dressel get his fifth gold. How cool was that? So cool. And uh, I, I love, I, I'm very competitive. And so I love watching competition and, and I love to win. And uh, I mean, I, I was reminded this morning that I get that from my dad. I had a guy come up to me after the first service and he, he said, Josh, I used to play basketball with your dad. And he said there were certain rules, certain things that were off limits. And your dad used to do all those things all the time. He said, I hated playing against him, but I like playing on his team. And my dad, he's willing to break any rule to win. And so I get it honestly. But, but I love watching, you know, I love watching people win. And it's so fun seeing them when they get the gold medal around their necks and they're standing up there. And, and it was Dressel. I saw a, a post that he put out after uh, he won his fifth gold. And, and he, he started describing how he was so excited to take a break because of the work. And the sacrifice it took to get to where he was. And, and we get to see the highlight reels of him swimming in the Olympics and the highlight reels of, of, of him getting this medal around his neck. But how many know that there's more than just the highlight reels? There's the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. And, and for him, the behind the scenes required a lot of pain and a, a, a lot of work and dedication to get to where he got to. And, 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 and anybody who's successful in life, we look at their lives, we look at their, their stories, and a lot of times we only get to see the highlight reel. But the truth is there's so much that's behind that person. There's a story. There's challenges that people go through. And I want to talk about today, I want to talk about this idea of crisis. The title of my message is Christians in Crisis. How about that for a hope-filled title? Christians in crisis. I I don't know. Do you know anybody who's ever experienced a level of crisis in their life? Have you ever experienced a level of crisis in your life? 
I don't know about you, but the, the longer I go through life, the more challenges and crisis I experience. COVID-19, 2020. I mean, who would have thought that our world could go through such a significant crisis, a pandemic, where the world would be shut down. We, we started off that year in 2020 uh, with my wife being sick. And or my son actually started off being sick. And he had been sick for a couple of weeks. And then my wife had gotten sick. And we ended up in the ER two times. And then shortly after that, I got sick. And how many know when your wife is down, you are in trouble? My wife was sick. I started texting some friends of mine. I said, brothers, you got to pray for your boy. I'm trying to. Hold down the four. I'm trying to do what my wife does normally every day, but I'm like, pray for me. But we were going through it. And I just remember the sickness and the challenge, and it just seemed like one thing was piling over another. And then obviously the things that our community started facing, man, we were going through crisis. We started off this summer. We had, we had sewage uh, that we found out was backed up and all over the floor of our basement in our house this summer. It led to start trying to fix some pipes, which led to uh, trying to renovate one of our restrooms. And we live in a 1930s home, and he started to find out that we had roots growing in our main sewage system and or our main pipes. And so we had to get that cleaned out. And then it led to uh, uh, renovating another one of our restrooms. And my wife and I have slept on the couch, twi couch twice this summer, and it wasn't because I was in trouble. <laughs> we were renovating our home. And it just, it, it, it's been this season of it seems like challenge after challenge and crisis after crisis. And I think one of the, one of the most misunderstood things about being a follower of Christ and one of the mis, most misunderstood things about what we understand about Christianity is when we say yes to Jesus and when we surrender our lives, everything's going to be great. When we cross that line of faith, we are crossing over, just like Nebraska says, into the good life. <laughs> and now we just get to experience the abundance, the blessings that God has for our lives. And I do believe God has incredible blessings. And there are incredible things that he has. But can I tell you, God wants to do more in our lives than we could ask, hope, or imagine He's not, he's not satisfied with us having surface-level success. He wants us to have Olympic-level success, which means, and it requires that we go through challenges in life because of what they do in us and through us. Jesus said in John, he told his, his followers, he said, in this life you will have trials and troubles. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. I mean, the disciples didn't know what awaited them when Jesus would leave them. But Jesus was trying to prepare them. I think about when Jesus told his followers that in just a short time, he was going to get ready to be crucified. He was going to get beat and crucified and, 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 and he was going to be tortured and, and, and go through extreme pain. And one of his, his, his disciples, who was one of the leaders of his followers, uh, stood up and said, Jesus, not on my watch. Jesus looked at his disciple one that he, he, he loved and valued. And, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You're seeing purely with human eyes. See, when it comes to this idea of crisis, many times the challenges in our life we look at through a lens that really isn't kingdom-based or Christ-centered. 
We view it as a challenge and obstacle to what God has for us instead of the opportunity for what God wants to do in us. And I want us to look at a, a story in scripture today and I want us to understand that crisis provides an opportunity for Christ to do something in us. And there's some very specific ways that I believe crisis can help us grow. And, and, and I want to look at those ways as we look at the parable of the lost son in Luke chapter Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus was talking, it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Jesus is, is telling a story, and what he's trying to illustrate further is how much God loves his people and the, the length he'll go to go after his people. He tells two stories earlier, uh, just talking about how if, if the shepherd has all these sheep, he'll leave the 99 and go after the one. He tells a story about the lost coin and, and how this this person who lost their coin would go to great lengths to go find this one. And now it says he's illustrating this point further. It says a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. How many got a younger brother? Them younger brothers, man, they always asking for something, huh? I'm a younger brother myself. But the younger brother goes to the dad, and there's two brothers in this story, and, and the younger brother basically asks the dad, hey, I want what's mine. Now, he, he, he wanted it sooner than the father was actually expecting to give it to him. But it says in verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings. It says the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. Can I tell you that I think the reason that the younger son didn't have what he wanted before he had asked for it, it be, is because the father knew the son wasn't ready for what he was asking for. The father typically would give uh, the son, both sons, their inheritance at, at a time either when the father was getting ready to pass or when the sons were ready to transition into a season of life. But at this point in time in this story, in the lives of, of these two boys, the father wasn't ready to give the son what he wanted. But the son comes and asks the father, and the father in this situation gives the son what he asks for. The son takes what he, he asks for, he leaves, he goes and, and, and starts to spend it all on wild living. I love this picture because this story, this father is, is, is our father, is, is God. And this story is showing us how much God loves us and cares for us. And this story shows that sometimes God is willing to give us what we want. Even though he knows it's not what we should have, but he knows that through the process and through the pain, it'll actually help us become who he wants us to be. And so we see this father give his son what he knew his son wasn't ready for. His son now goes through this process and starts to squander it. The first principle I want to talk about based on this story is that crisis and challenge allows us to grow our character. I believe that God uses crisis 
to grow our character. And we'll see that in this story with this son. I mean, this son leaves because he wants to be selfish. He wants to take what he thinks is his. He's full of pride. He's trying to maybe make his own name and chase after success that that he thinks he wants. But he finds himself in a place of humility. It says, as he's, as he's squandering what was given to them, what was given to him, it says, about this time the money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Have you ever recognized that when, it's, when, it's, when it seems like it's raining, it starts to pour? How like one mistake or one bad decision leads to another. There's always this compounding effect when we make decisions. He makes a decision, he's, he, he's squandering everything he has, and then a famine comes. It says, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs, looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So this young man finds him in this horrible position. He's, he's in the process of, of feeding the pigs. I mean, he, he, he was in his father's house and now he's feeding the pigs. I mean, he is at the lowest of low seasons in his life. Just the other day, we were driving through our neighborhood. And uh, as we're driving through our neighborhood, we see what looks like a dog out in the front yard eating grass. And as we got closer, we recognized that it was a pig. Our neighbor had a pet pig in the front yard. Forgive me if I offended somebody who has a pet pig here. We turned around and drove by it again just to make sure it was a pig, and it was. So maybe being with a pig isn't the worst place. But in this story, we see this son, after he squanders all the money, he's, he's in this place of crisis. Now, in this specific story, the son makes a decision that, that, that brings him to this place of challenge. But sometimes crisis isn't just a result of the decisions we make, but crisis can happen because of the decisions other people make. People say stuff about us. Uh, um, people treat us a certain way. We grow up in a home that's unhealthy. Crisis can come in a variety of, of different forms, but the reality is we all find ourselves in positions of crisis. If there's one thing that I've seen over the last 12 years of just being in ministry and just working with people is that everybody's going through something. You're probably either going through it yourself or you're connected to somebody who's going through it. And many times we just don't know what the people next to us are going through. But we're all experiencing a level of crisis. And God wants to use that crisis to grow our character. And so this son who was full of pride and arrogance finds himself in this position of challenge. And he finds himself hanging out with pigs and eating and hungry. And verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my fathers and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. One of the things that I've experienced in my own life is 
is a lot of times we ask God for things that we're not ready for. And what I've learned is that God's less concerned about what I'm doing and he's more concerned about who I'm becoming. He's more concerned about the work he's doing on the inside of me because when I grow from the inside, it starts to affect everything on the outside. And, and I, I'll never forget when we first started our church in, in 2008, 2009, and 2009, graduated from college and, and uh, was a part of leading our church. And I would tell people, I would pray what I think every church planter prays. There's scripture verse in, in, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the believers were together and the Holy Spirit comes in flames of, 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 of fire that look like tongues of fire show up and they start speaking in these languages and then Peter stands up and Peter preaches and the Bible says that 3,000 were added to the church that day. I used to pray that God would bring 3,000 every day. I'd be praying and praying and praying. And, and, and as I look back, I laugh and I smile. And I bet God was smiling down on me and saying, Josh, you're praying for 3,000, but you couldn't handle 300. As a matter of fact, you couldn't handle 30. I, I was praying for something that I wanted and had good intentions. But God is saying, Josh, I need to grow you. I need to build you. I need to do something in you so you have the character to do what I want to do on the outside. I remember uh, the church that we had, we had this little box of a church and I mean, it was like a, it was a concrete box. And I remember having a, a guest speaker there one time and the guest speaker was preaching. And every time he paused, I would pray he wouldn't pause because every time he paused, you could hear crickets in the background. Not like, like I'm talking real crickets. We had more mice in the church than we had people. If you sat in a certain area and it was raining, you were going to get dripped on during the service. We didn't have a lot. And I remember getting to the point of praying, God, give us a building. God, give us space. There was this 24-acre this campus that we wanted, and we were praying for it. And for probably five years, myself and another young leader, we would go there and we would pray and we would believe that he was going to give it to us. And we'd walk in faith and, and, and God didn't give, us, give it to us. And then years later, God opened up a door where our organization was able to purchase this campus. And, and after we purchased that campus, it was like the gates of heaven, heaven opened up. And it was the most beautiful, amazing experience. It's been this perfect experience. No. We got this campus for the first three plus years. I got board members, people who believe in our vision and mission and what we're doing saying, man, we got to get rid of this thing. It's old, needs a ton of work, needs a lot of money, is a cash cow. I mean, the, the, the investment, I mean, we were, we, we were holding on by a, a string. And what I realized is sometimes the things we're asking God for, the things that are the biggest blessings can become the biggest burdens. If we're not ready, God says, I want to grow your, your, your character. I want to grow your capacity. So the things I'm calling you to do as a, as, a, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as a community member, as a business owner, I want to grow your character, but it's going to require that you go through challenges. 
I'm reading a, a book or just finished reading a book by Dr. Sam Chan, and it's called Leadership Pain. And the primary point of this book, he says, is that you'll only grow to your threshold of pain. In other words, the, the greater your ability to experience and endure pain, the greater your capacity to lead, the greater your capacity to impact the world around you. I, I had never thought about that before. Many times as I experience pain and I, as I go through challenges, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm asking, why God? Why is this happening to me? And I believe that God doesn't want us to ask why, he wants us to ask how. God, how do you want to use this to grow me, to stretch me, to change me, to give me the capacity and the character to pursue the calling that you have on my life? We see in this, in this story, this young man gets to a place where he experienced the bottom fell out on him. He experienced cha challenge and crisis. And it says that he, he came to his senses and he, he made a decision to go back home. In verse 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion and ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. I love this, this visual because this son is coming home and this son, I guarantee, has his, his head down and his son is getting ready to apologize to his dad and feels like he made a, a terrible mistake by, by taking and, and, and running away. And as the son is a long way off, the father sees him. You know what that tells me? The father was looking for him. The father never lost hope for him. The father never lost love for him. The father was waiting for him and looking for him and probably praying for him and waiting for him to come around the corner. And when the son comes around the corner, the father sees him from a long way off and, and his heart began to get filled with love and compassion. I'm remembering a, a story of our oldest son, Joshua. It was years ago, we were at the mall. And uh, while we were at the mall, we were in the shoe store and I was trying on some shoes. My wife was trying on some shoes. I was trying on some shoes over here. And my responsibility was, was to watch Joshua as I was trying on some shoes. And I'm trying on some shoes and I look up and Joshua's not there. And so I walk out the store and I walk around, I go over to my wife and I say, hey, have you seen Joshua? She said, no, I left him with you. I said, oh man. So I go out the store and I'm looking around and I'm walking through the store and I can't find Joshua. And so we kind of ask the people to look on their cameras and they look on their cameras and they, 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 they said, you know, we didn't see where he was on our cameras. We don't know where he's at. And so we start searching the mall for Joshua. I remember running around the outside of the mall frantically. I mean, your mind starts racing. You start thinking about every possible scenario. I'm thinking about this person that I saw over here and this other scenario. And, and for 45 minutes, we're running around the mall looking for Joshua. And I remember at one point in time, they said, hey, we, we think we found Joshua. And so they take us to where they thought he was in this play area. And there was a boy playing over there. And they show us, hey, is that Joshua? And we looked at him and it wasn't Joshua. 
And then as we're on the second floor, we hear him screaming and crying. And I'll never forget seeing him and grabbing him and holding on to him. And just the emotion you felt as a, as, as a parent, my wife and I just sitting there and, and just so thankful that we had our son. It says when the father saw his son, he was filled with this love and compassion. Can I tell you, regardless of the decisions we've made, regardless of the mess ups that we've been in, regardless of the pain we've endured, God loves us. He's chasing after us. He's watching for us. He's been waiting for us with arms wide open. It says the father was full of compassion. It says his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I love this picture because the son thought he had messed up. The son felt like he was unworthy. The son uh, came home and probably was expecting the father to give him the cold shoulder and look away, but the, the father gave him a warm welcome. The son was uh, probably uh, expecting the father to tell him how wrong he was, but the, the father just wanted to know how right he was for coming home. And I think one of the things that God does as we experience these, these seasons of crisis, as, as we find ourselves in the position of the son is that crisis can actually grow our compassion. It grows our compassion. And the first thing we see is this son experiences some powerful compassion from the father. See, the reality is, is we can only give what we've experienced and received. We can only give what we have. And if we haven't experienced and received the compassion of the father, we can never give it away. If we can't forgive ourselves, then we'll have a really hard time forgiving others. And the son experiences this unconditional compassion from the father. It's been seasons of my life. A few years ago, I was going through a, a, a difficult season and was dealing with burnout and a little depression and had the opportunity to, to spend several days with a counselor. And one of the things that we did was we went back and revisited some old experiences. And we went back and revisited some experiences where I felt abandoned and I felt alone and I felt like nobody cared. And I remember uh, he was helping kind of paint the picture of where I was when that happened and, and our eyes were closed and uh, we were at, a, for me, it was at a basketball game and I had just gotten taken out of the game and my coach was mad at me and my coach was frustrated and I'm over there and I'm sitting at the end of the bench and, and my head is down and, and we're remembering uh, this, this environment and this experience and there's fans all over and, and the counselor says, Josh, I want you to invite Jesus to come sit next to you. And so I I'm, I'm, I'm have this vision, visual in my mind. And, and so Jesus comes over and he says, what is Jesus doing? 
I said, well, he, he, he sat next to me and he put his arm around me. He said, what is Jesus saying? Man, he's saying he loves me. He cares about me. I felt like God started to even just cast vision for my life and let me know that this season of pain and hurt, how, how basketball was so much of my identity and things not going the way I wanted was so painful. And, and, and Jesus started to let me know that, man, this game, it's not going to matter. In the end, it's not going to matter. The score, it's not going to matter. People are going to forget this game in a couple years, in a couple months. But what's going to matter is the people in the stands. And Josh, I've called you not just to play in this game, but I've called you to impact the people that are showing up to these games. And, and I had an experience years after through this counselor where God, where Jesus was next to me in the middle of my pain. And I experienced that same pain in a completely different way, recognizing that God wasn't far away, but he was with me and he was comforting me. And he was actually preparing me for the calling that he had on my life. I didn't see it at the time because I, I, I couldn't really comprehend that in this time of pain, God was working things out for his good. And many times when we're in seasons of pain in our life, it seems like God is so distant. God is far away. God isn't hearing us. And I believe God wants you to know he is right there next to you. He's got his arm around you. He's comforting you. He's casting vision for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And this season of challenge is a part of the process of preparing you for the greater thing that he has for you. It's not wasted on you. Pain isn't wasted. God uses it. And so part of that for me and for us is experiencing the compassion of a father. And he loves you. He cares about you. He's for you. He's not against you. And as we experience that compassion, we can start to give that compassion. The other, the other way he grows our compassion in the seasons of crisis is we start to have compassion for people who are going through similar seasons that we've been through. When I used to hear about people going through depression, I would just say, pray it away. Think it away. Work it out away. Can I tell you, until I had my own experience, I didn't understand, man, I'm a very motivated person, but I wasn't motivated to do hardly anything. I, I, I didn't understand the, the totality of what people in those seasons of life go through. Until I spent 13 days in the hospital, they unofficially diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis and I couldn't eat or drink for 13 days in the hospital and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. I didn't have a ton of empathy or compassion for people who were in the hospital. I didn't have a ton of empathy or compassion for, for people who were in a ton of pain. And, and I remember being in the hospital and well-meaning people would come and they would pray for me and they would encourage me and they would believe God for me. And, and what I realized is after they were done praying and encouraging and believing God for me, they would leave and I would still be there laying in the bed by myself. And in the middle of the night when the doctors were coming in, I was there. And God started to grow my compassion for people who are hurting. 
and who are going through challenging things. And I just want to let us know that in our seasons of crisis and pain, God uses it to grow our compassion so that we have a heart for people who have experienced similar things to us, people who have gone through addictions. I love seeing people who have wrestled with and gone through addictions. Now they have a heart to help other people who are going through addictions. People who have experienced childhood trauma and abuse and pain. Now they have a heart to help people going through the similar situation. It's what God wants to do in us in the middle of crisis. He wants to grow our character, but he also wants to grow our compassion. The last part of this this story is the son comes home and a party is thrown. But the turning part of the story is when it says the son came to his senses. In other words, the son had a revelation that where he was wasn't where he wanted to be. What he went through, the, the pain that he was going through, was not a picture of ultimately the person that he knew deep down inside he was called to be. So it says he came to his senses, and when he came to his senses, he made a decision to turn from where he was and start heading back home. See, that's the power of our pain. It serves as an opportunity for catalytic growth in our life. Catalytic change. In in Chinese, the word crisis has two meanings. It means danger and opportunity. Challenge and opportunity. And every time we go through through, through a season of challenge, every time we go through a season of, of crisis, God says, I want to use it to be a catalyst for change in your life if you'll allow me to be a part of that crisis. I want to use it to grow you and build you. I want to use it uh, to make you uh, come to your senses in such a way that you'll turn from where you are and you'll start coming home to where I want you to be. And that could be turning from our sin. The Bible talks about repentance. And for all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's, God's glory. And we're all walking away from God. And then at some point in time, we have a revelation of who God is and we repent and we turn back towards God. For some of us, we've made that decision. For some of us, that's a decision that we still need to make. And God would say, the pain you're in right now, I'm using that pain. I want it to be a catalyst for you to make a decision and turn from your ways and turn to God. I want to invite my my friend up on the keys to help us as we get ready to close. Our pain isn't lost. Our pain is for a purpose. I believe that the most painful experiences in our life can become the most fruitful impact of our lives. Those areas in our lives that are most painful, I believe God wants to use to become the most impactful, to live out the calling but we got to come home. We can't stay where we are. I love, the, I love the old saying, God loves us just the way we are. And we see that in the story of the son. Even, even when the son took what he wanted and left, his father still loved him. God still loved him. For all of us, God loves us just the way we are. But can I tell you this? God loves us too much to let us stay the way we are. He's in the business of helping us become more. 
become all that he's called us to be. He's in the business of promoting us to positions and places that we never thought we could get to. He doesn't want us to be average. He didn't create us to be average. He created us to change the world. But in order to to get there, in order to move from where we are to where he wants us, it's going to require that we go through some pain. It's going to require that we embrace some pain. And that we say, God, how do you want my character to grow through this pain? How, how, How do you want, God, through this pain, how do you want me to become more patient, more loving, more joyful? James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. What? You can be joyful with trials? But it says, because you know that the testing of your faith is producing something in you. Righteousness, endurance. He says, so let your faith grow. The apostle Paul talks about training like like an athlete, just like an athlete knows that it's gonna require pain to stand up and get that gold medal. As people of God, we've gotta recognize that to pursue our purpose, it's gonna require a level of pain. And my prayer is, is that whatever challenge, whatever crisis, whatever pain we experience in our lives, that we'll allow God to use it and we'll all be able to come to our senses. We'll get a revelation from God, insight from God that says, you know what? I gotta come home. I gotta come home. Coming home might be what I said earlier, where we have to make a decision, say yes to Jesus. We turn from our selfish ways and we turn to God's plan for our life. But coming home might also just be, you know what? God, I'm gonna embrace this pain. I'm gonna embrace the struggle. Because I know it's central to becoming who you're calling me to be. What does it mean for you to come home this morning? Where do you need to come home to? Where are you? And what is God calling you to come home to? Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that this story isn't just about this father and son and two sons. It's about the father and his people. God, I thank you that you love us. You love us so much, God, that you don't want to leave us where we are. You want to take us farther, higher. God, but you also know as a father that in order for growth to happen, there's going to be pain that's required. God, I pray that we would get a revelation of the power of the crisis situations we find ourselves in. God, would we stop asking why when we experience challenges and crisis in our life and When we start asking how, God, how do you want to use what we're going through to grow us, to grow our character, to grow our compassion, to be a catalyst for change in our lives? Lord, I pray that every single one of us, God, would get the revelation for what it means to come home today. 
God, come home to your arms that are so wide and waiting for us. God, come home to the next step that you're calling us into. God, we thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you died for us. And God, we thank you that you wanna see the best in us. We love you, praise you, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, Dream City, let me hear you say amen. Amen. Amen, amen. You guys thankful for that word this morning? We're so thankful to have Josh here and his family here with us this morning. And if that message resonated with you guys, I just want you to know that we've got some of our prayer team that will be sticking around. And so if you guys are in a moment of crisis, if you guys are looking to, to come home. We'd love to spend some more time and pray with you. I got, I got one more announcement. Uh, this Friday, uh, we are doing uh, our first Friday. So what we do is we go out and we worship in the park. So if you guys want a little bit more worship during your week, make sure you check that out. Uh, is it Elmwood Park again, I believe? Yes, I'm getting the nod back there. Elmwood Park, uh, 7 p.m. that we'll be worshiping in the park. So again, thank you guys so much for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. You guys have a blessed rest of the week. Take care. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.